Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I love to keep an eye on the future and trends, and we we talk a lot about what's good for the planet, what's sustainable, what helps in the workplace, and we know that the UN has its sustainable development goals and SDG 11 is on sustainable cities and communities. And so our guest today is very, very interesting to me because he is in the business of shaping the future of urban development. You might have heard about his company in Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Forbes, other places. But if you haven't, just stay tuned because I promise you're going to learn something new that you didn't know before. So it is my pleasure to introduce Roger Kulik, who's the president and founder of Full Stack Module. And we're visiting him in Brooklyn today. So Roger, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you so much, Allison. It's so nice uh, to be on and talking about uh, you know subjects which are near and dear to my heart. And yes, right here in uh, uh, the Brooklyn Navy Yard in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, um, is where it all started. Well, tell everybody just a little bit more in, in detail of what the core business line is for Full Stack Modular. <clears throat> uh, so Full Stack Modular has been since its inception a design manufacturer solution for a design manufacturer construct solution for the built environment focused on uh dense urban environment, mid to high rise, multifamily construction. I am always so intrigued by what causes and, and inspires people to build their companies. And I know that you had a lot of uh, experience in um, residential construction and all different types of constructions, but that you actually specifically went all in on this. And and if I have this right, gathered investors to say, we're going to take this to be its own company. So give us a little bit about the background for the birth of the company. Sure. So um, so I worked for, uh, for four city Ratner companies in New York City for 15 years, and I was in both the development and construction side. And during that time, um, four city purchased uh, 22 acres in downtown Brooklyn, in an effort to build um, sort of a new residential community within um, the small little borough, which is called Brooklyn. And, um, and part of that was a commitment to build 6,500 affordable housing units. And for those of you who know anything about New York, uh, the volatility of, uh, of construction costs is much like the stock market. It goes up and down depending on how busy people are. And the idea of being able to build 6,500 affordable units in a volatile market like that was very hard to predict. Um, and so uh, during the, um, the lovely times of 2007, 2008, when nothing was happening, um, I was fortunate enough to get a group of people to do an R&D project to show that we could build high-rise modular buildings. That was really what created the idea to create a high-rise modular manufacturing entity. And 
Then we built uh, the tallest modular building in the world at that time, which it is no longer the tallest modular building in the world, which is exciting for me. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, and then and this is as brief history as I can give you. And then <clears throat> uh, Four City became a real estate investment trust um, and started to sell off their businesses, and they sold off the modular business. Uh, I raised money uh, with some. Uh, very forward-thinking investors uh, to to create full stack modular in 2016. Well, Roger, here's here's what I want to tell our listeners: if you happen to be near a computer, take a look for fullstackmodular.com and look under the process tab because I think the process tab tab tells a lot about your story and it also has visuals of what the modularity of the units look like. It's got floor plans. So if this is an area that you're curious about, you know, go go take a look. But here's what I love about your story and why we wanted to talk to you today is, is that it, you're not just satisfied with having this business in, in New York City. You've established this, this visionary footprint. Your production facilities, I, if I understand correct, are both in Brooklyn and in Oregon. Is that correct where your other facility that, is? That, that's correct in, the, in Portland, Oregon. Um, so, so look, Allison, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the facts of the business that I'm in are construction is 13.5% of the world economy. We have housing deficits that increase on an hourly basis worldwide. We're not coming anywhere close to meeting the need, and we need solutions that, uh, that address that. Uh, and we need solutions that are both cognizant and aware of the, of the potential impact, both positive and negative, that dense housing has on the world. So if you can build sustainable, grid responsive, all electric housing that is you know, passively focused, all of a sudden you're changing an entire, uh, an entire area, but you're also chasing, changing the entire world because you have the ability to give people quality housing and have less impact on the environment. And that's what full stack is focused on. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not just housing, right? You've done a lot of other types of projects as well. Well, I mean, we like many people have pivoted uh, during during COVID, and we built uh, we built medical units uh, that are transportable for for you know for for pandemics and other things. We built restaurant mods so that people could eat outside. Uh, but the majority of our focus, and yes, we can build hospital beds and all kinds of other things. But the majority of our focus is either attainable housing multifamily, student housing, and hotels. Uh, that's really the, the majority of our market focus. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, you were you were talking about it being, you know, this, this global issue. And I know that part of your journey, you sat on um, this international panel of experts in, in Singapore. Can you tell us a little bit about what you see in, in terms of, of trends around the world in, in modularity <clears throat> building? Yes, I can tell you that I get a call a day from some country somewhere in the world that has a, knows that they have a housing crisis and believes that um, using manufacturing as part of creating the built environment is a value proposition. You know, you don't need as trained a worker. You obviously can get more productivity, and whether it's Nigeria or the Caribbean or you know, pretty much every country in Asia, I get a call twice a day. We'd love to open a factory in such and such a location. So people recognize the problem and they also recognize 
that using manufacturing like every other industry is a way to increase productivity and quality without necessarily having a an endless skilled workforce. Yeah, Roger, I want to I want to shift topics now. I want to I want to talk about more about your workforce and and your teams and and how you went about um, growing it and scaling it. Um, is there anything you could share about your story about um, you know where you were in 2016? And fast forward another six years to where you are today in scale and size. Yeah, so, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we have some pretty interesting stories to tell about that. First of all, um, at Full Stack Modular, we're signatory with the building trades. And at the same time, we operate like a factory in the factory, meaning that we build sub-assemblies and assemblies, not uh, one trade and the other trade. That increases productivity. And everything that we build is created um, through production drawings, which give specific instructions on how to build something like all manufacturing. And our, um, our current uh, production drawing manufacturing is actually ha happening in collaboration uh, with, with Rebel, who is based in, uh, in Poland. His team is based in Poland. And, uh, and so we work together every day in order to do that. Um, the way that we have attracted employees is we've worked with helmets to hard hats. We've worked with the union itself, construction trades programs, STEM schools. Um, and, and we could really upskill many, many people in order to, to have them work effectively in the factory. And our employers uh, that work in the, our uh, employees that work in the factory um, are 87% minority. Roger, I want to ask you what, being this the president with all of these different things that you have going on, what part of your job brings you the most joy? <laughs> um, I think you can tell by the way I'm talking, it all really brings me joy. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, you have a colossal problem with endless need. And all you need to do is to figure out how to make it work uh, in in the process, the governmental, the AHJ, as they call it, process wherever you are in the world. But the need is there, the process is there, and um, and it's super exciting, right? I mean, the idea of having healthy housing for people who want to live there, it's a pretty good, you don't have to convince somebody that they want to have a nice place to live. And you don't have to convince somebody that our system is efficient and healthy. Um, you really just need to there's a whole other group of people, which of course is my next focus once I've got this done, is how do we fix the process for creating housing from a governmental perspective that that is effective? Uh, as we I, was, I was just thinking about asking you that next, but for my listeners, I want you to know I can see Roger's face and you can you can just see his joy when he talks about this mission that he has. But yeah, I I was going to ask you about that is kind of like what what frustrates you and and what you're what you're doing and I was guessing it was going to be kind of government or or well, well, well let me let me make it pretty simple so so the way that affordable housing is created in the United States right now for the most part is that that there that that the some entity some government entity floats bonds so that you could build buildings that only pay um, you know, sort of affordable rent that doesn't actually pay for the cost of operating the building. <laughs> and as a result of that, the building has 
little to no value unless you look in a 20 year time, 25 year time frame. So what it does is it 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 moves um, the the, uh, the the value that's created by creating buildings that you can live in and the work that's associated with it away from the area that you're creating the affordable housing. It eliminates the value of the actual building itself. So thereby not increasing the value of the community it's living in, et cetera. It's a mess and it takes forever. And there are better ways. And so that's frustrating for me because frankly, 30 factories in the United States should be building housing nonstop right now and we would still be creating a housing deficit. So to see this, the, the way that things don't happen as a result of that log jam is frustrating. And also to see that the ability to, uh, to, to, to do urban revitalization and create opportunities in locations of places that really need it quite easily is totally being missed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I live outside the city of Chicago and Chicagoan by birth. And you're right, the, these places that need revitalization and it doesn't have to take years. It, it, it can be quite quick and quite beautiful, but that's interesting what you're explaining about the, the government regulation and the way the, that the building, traditional building process works. Yeah. Um, you need a public-private solution. Uh, the reality is, is that there is huge, uh, there is a huge reinvestment, for instance, in manufacturing in the United States. And that manufacturing is usually being built in areas that are relatively low density right now. So they need housing. And the people who are building the factories have an incentive to build housing. And you could utilize that incentive to create housing for uh, you know, people who need affordable or supportive housing. There's a game plan that works incredibly effectively, but it isn't happening right now. And that to me is frustrating. Roger, do you see that, that the module housing has the potential to take off faster and, and and much more rapidly in other countries or 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 even uh i don't want to say third tier countries but in, in countries that are willing to be more innovative in solving their problems there's lots of countries that are innovative in this space for instance i mean the uk has a number of programs that that work really effectively and the government digs uh you know it, it leans in and makes solutions the country of Singapore, which I told you, you know, I told you I was at, mm -hmm. of course, they have control over this stuff and they mandate, you know, uh, volumetric modular construction or some portion of it in all of their construction. And um, a number of Asian countries are sort of, uh, in addition to Singapore, are, you know, sort of on that same, on that same path and initiative. German, Germany has been using modular construction for a number of things, not as much housing, but that that's happening. Um, so my answer to your question is, yeah, I mean, it, there are lots of programs that work effectively all over the world, and it's not. This isn't this, I, this isn't rocket science. But you can build rockets using manufacturing, and we should be building buildings the same way. It's, uh, so, yeah, of course, it, it's simple. Like manufacturing itself is not complicated. The system that you create in order to build it is, but the actual manufacturing, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I want to ask you questions about um, your values as a, a leader, as the leader of the company. 
Um, can you share with the listeners some of your values or the culture that you try to build for the teams that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, we work together. Um, and uh, and everybody uh, at Fullstack is a member of you know the family as we as we call it. And there are people who are have gone off and um, it, you know uh, moved on to other careers who we still have a website for when we started the company and people respond to it every day. So in my view, we're all part of a, a family. The interesting thing about working in a factory versus working on a construction site is you come to the same place every day, right? It's the same people, the same location, you have your locker. It's not, you know, construction site, you got to go park somewhere and you're going to, you're half the time you're outside and then you go to another job and you see all different people, you know, to us, it's the same people every day. And that's, uh, you know, and, and and we train new people, which is, uh, you know, incredibly rewarding. So. so let's talk about the future for, for full stack modular. I, I know you have a current press release where you have a, a strategic alliance with a company in, in Saudi Arabia. I know offline you shared with me another alliance that's coming up. Is Is your growth going to be through establishing factories and other other locations outside the U.S. or is it really going to go through these strategic alliances? What's the future kind of look like for full stack modular? Well, if you fast forward, let's say five years, my view is that um, our goal is to provide a solution to create the built environment in, in the certainly in the verticals that I described to you earlier um, using the full stack modular system. My hope is, and my view is, that that can be done through a franchising opportunity, whereby if somebody calls me from Lagos and says, I need a factory, and we have 50,000 rooms to build in the next four years, I can say, here's the full stack modular process. We can show you how to do design and manufacture, and you can prop up your own factory and do the same thing. That, to me, is the view of where this is going. And I would like to see it be done all over the world, because if it's effective, people should use it. So I'm 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 leading to this. You had said earlier that people are calling you from from all over the world, and we we talked about the difference of what how the U.S. looks at it versus how maybe other places look at it. What are your strategies to get a deeper market uh, penetration here in the United States? Do you have yeah. particular market teams or particular objectives that you're you're working on or cities? Yeah, that so, you so be in? you know we're we're based in Brooklyn. Great question, and uh, and and we have a. We have a factory in Portland, and then um, and then the question becomes, what's next? You know, how do we serve the Midwest? Uh, I I have had some converse, conversations with uh, with people in Chicago. Uh, there is some urban revitalization efforts that are very attractive, uh, and um, and uh, also down south, Canada. Um, there's manufacturing going on in Mexico right now uh, for for some stuff in California. So. You know, there is there is a there is a game plan now. Whether that's through full stack modular factories or franchises or strategic alliances, I think that's going to have to be a little fluid until we figure out what's going mm -hmm. on. Um, Virginia, we're talking to a, a large development in Virginia about you know uh, endless housing need and how to how to uh, deal a little bit south. So, like I said, the the factory itself and manufacturing is not complicated once you know what you're building. All right, Roger, you're very driven. You're a high energy person. 
what do you do for for balance and what do you do i'm going to ask enjoyment but you can't say you can't say full stack modular you got to tell us something else about your life you know, i am uh, i'm very lucky i have uh, i have the best partner in the world uh, i have a 21 year old and a and a 19 year old uh, uh, daughter and son, but I also have a two-year-old uh, that uh, that was born during COVID. So, um, so, so that I do a lot of that for fun. So, um, wheels on the bus is like a normal part of my life. Uh, and then, and then when I'm not doing that, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge foodie. So this time of year is exciting: cooking brunch and dinner, and probably another dinner after that. And um, and you know, enjoying my wine cellar, and then when I'm not doing any of that, hiking, biking. Yeah, you know, I try to keep busy. Any tips that you have for for young entrepreneurs or business builders if they come to you and and ask for advice? Any any wisdom for them when it comes to getting their businesses uh, move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I've learned over the years is. You should stay true to yourself. Um, you should you should focus on a, something that you love because otherwise you're going to be miserable. Um, you should uh, you should not be afraid to show your vulnerability or the fact that you don't know something. Uh, I think Richard Branson has said something about that in his book about how showing your vulnerability is sort of the idea of a of a, of a great leader. And, and find a team that that not only you get along with that provides the strengths where you have weaknesses build a team of the highest quality people you can or um as um th this guy when i first started in business uh said he he was a he was the the expert in uh, um new homes uh new home uh, multifamily new home sales and this was 100 years ago when i graduated college and he said, you can never afford to hire the second best person for any job. And yeah. uh, I think that's great advice. I think that's really great, great advice. And, yeah. uh, and especially in today's market, right? It's you, you need yeah. great teams to make your businesses grow. Hey, Roger, thank you so much for giving us the gift of the gift of your time. I, I really do want to encourage our, our listeners um, to take a look and, and understand what you do, because Maybe you haven't seen full stock modular in, in your city or town, but maybe someday you will. And you'll be like, I know who they are. And I remember that Roger. So um, go and take a look. And if you think there's somebody else who needs to hear this episode um, or learn more about this, pass it along. Roger, if, if people want to connect with you or loan, learn more, where should they go and what should they do? Well, I mean, you can go on to our website. Uh, you can actually look at the design process. You can design your own building, put a different facade on it, just enjoy, do walkthroughs of it, just enjoy the idea of thinking about that. And then uh, you can go right on our website and hit, you know, info at full stack modular. It'll give you an option. Oh, I'm interested in more. Tell me a little bit and we'll get back to you. And we're happy to, we're happy to talk at any time. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for spending time with us and to our listeners, as we always say, Keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Thank you. And thank you, Roger. Thank you, Allison. Thanks so much. Really. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.